When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Career Builder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job. The skills you bring to work. And Career Builder knows those skills make you right for other jobs too. Higher paying jobs with benefits. Jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep. Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes, and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com. Hi, let me let me talk about talk. Here we go. Uh. I said you living life as a gringo. Where you question, where you fit, and every time you mingle, they say you do this with not enough that. My rapping is really bad. <laughs> this life as a gringo. Yes, welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo with me, Dramos, of course. Man, um, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I had a, a completely different topic planned for today's show. And then I got this DM from one of y'all, and it totally inspired me to kind of take this conversation somewhere else into a conversation I want to get to at some point, but it kind of reminded me of a few things I had been kind of reading around on the internet lately, and I figured now would be as good a time as ever to kind of cover this, and that is the idea of cultural appropriation. And there was also, I think it was a, a tweet or an Instagram post that I saw uh, the other day, and I'll, I'll read it as well, that that like inspired this a little bit as well. It was kind of a combination between the DM I got from one of uh, one of you guys as well as that tweet. And I was like, you know what? This seems to be a conversation that's happening. Let's run with it. And uh, I want to kind of dive into uh, a few things because I have some thoughts. I mean, obviously, I come from a music background where the idea of cultural appropriation has been happening for, man, decades before I was even born. But we're especially seeing it now, you know, with the explosion of of Latin music with, with artists like Bad Bunny, where everybody's kind of trying to hop on that trend but also kind of taking it uh, as their own. Um, and I, I want to touch on a few things, not just that, but that, that's definitely something that's near and dear to my heart, obviously, just as somebody who comes from a musical standpoint. So we'll get into all that. I'll read the DM that was very much a part of the inspiration of me covering this topic. We'll do that in our Ask a Gringo segment. Before all that, though, let's kind of clearly define what we're talking about when we when we speak of cultural appropriation, we'll, of course, do a deep dive, as we always do, in a segment we call For the People in the Back. Say a lot for the people in the back.
All right. So I was pulling up this this article while I was doing my research. I came across this article, I should say, on verywellmind.com. And it is by Arlen uh, Sunsik. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. I, I apologize. Um, but they basically break down different parts of cultural appropriation, examples of it, understanding it, and, and sort of how to avoid it. And I want to get into a few things. But first, let's kind of clearly define what cultural appropriation actually is. Now, according to this article, they describe it as referring to the use of objects or elements of a non-dominant culture in a way that doesn't respect their original meaning, give credit to their source, or reinforces stereotypes or contributes to oppression. Now, the article does go on to say that this whole idea of of cultural appropriation is multi-layered and nuanced, and that a lot of people kind of have trouble understanding what exactly it is, or the people who are committing, you know, these these acts of cultural appropriation, many of whom don't realize what they're actually doing. And I, I'll be very real; I'm not one of these like overly woke people uh, that that like is screaming cultural appropriation at every corner because I, I believe that we're all going to be influenced by a lot of different things, you know, especially in the day and age of the internet where. We are connected to people and cultures of all kinds all over the world, you know, from the the palm of our hand. It's inevitable that we're going to, you know, kind of ingest some sort of influence uh, in our in our creative works. And I think that that's okay. I, I think that that's the beauty of like this idea of the world kind of collaborating, you know, and cultures coming together and, and joining together and and celebrating one another. But notice I said celebrating one another because that's actually where I draw the line. Because there are a lot of people that will take from a culture, but then act as if it was their own thing, their own idea, and not give credit where credit is due. And that's where I have a problem. Not to mention the various examples of things that, you know, when a white person wears it, it's considered fashionable, stylish, uh, and, and acceptable and professional, if you will, right? But when a person of color wearing something and it's like a part of their culture, it's considered ghetto or, or unprofessional, you know, or sloppy or whatever the case may be. And we see this often in, in fashion and, and, and things like that. Uh, I know for women, certain hairstyles or even like something like gold hoop earrings were like looked down upon. But like, you know, you have a white girl wearing it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, she's so fashionable, you know. But before it was like, oh, there's this ghetto Latin chick wearing, you know, giant gold hoop earrings or something like that, you know. Um. And and listen, I'm, I'm obviously I'm speaking with a bit of a wide kind of blanket, but I mean these are things that I've heard from people in my life or heard you know from other people speaking about their experiences. It's funny because I was just saying about things like hairstyles when it comes to uh, women, especially, but I guess there are certain ones when it comes to men. But um, me having heard that personally in, in my own life, but this article actually talks about it, and they say uh, a person of color might be discriminated against because of a hairstyle that relates to their culture while you, as a part of the dominant culture, can get away with appropriating that same hairstyle, making it trendy, and never understanding the experiences that contributed to the invention of the hairstyle in the first place. And and they go on to say, uh, in other words, you've jumped on a trend because it seems cool, but in doing so, you show insensitivity to the people for whom that trend is their life and not the latest fad. And there's all kinds of things, like, even, you know, when I, I talk about fashion, like, Track suits have been something that has been popular in, in hip-hop culture for, for a very long time, very fashionable. But 
many of the powers that be, i.e., white, you know, uh, white people or white environments, if you will, uh, deem that to be something ghetto, but okay when a white person wears it, or like when a white person wears it, oh, it must be like a high class thing. Like we've seen this when it comes to bars. I know there's a bar um, here in Jersey that went viral and, and not in a good way because there was a, a black couple that was turned down entry from being able to dine inside. They were told they could eat outside, but they weren't following the proper dress code because the, the man was wearing a tracksuit. And they actually filmed while they were eating outside a white couple being allowed entry with one of the men wearing a tracksuit, which obviously showed that it's, it's deemed okay uh, and acceptable when a white person wears said tracksuit it's okay, but when a black person wears it, it's uh, it's not acceptable. And essentially, it's an excuse for people to be racist at the end of the day. But just things like that to, to kind of keep in mind. And I think it's important for people to realize because I think there will be this pushback of like, oh, so because we're not part of your culture, we can't ever wear or listen to the kind of music that you like or, or eat the kind of food that you like. And it's like, no, but you have to also understand, I think the, the point of all of this stuff, why people get so upset about it is that for much of the history of our people in this country, we've been looked down for so many things that are traditional to our culture. And the second that a white person decides that it is cool, all of a sudden it is now acceptable. Meanwhile, for years and basically, you know, the existence of our lives, we were made to feel lesser than for these same exact things. And I think a part of it is like people had to find acceptance in, in who they were and and sort of learn how to celebrate um, these aspects of our culture that that we were told made us ghetto, you know what I mean? And quite frankly, that people blatantly tried to make us feel lesser than for. So it, it is like this weird, I guess, slap in the face when you have fought so hard to, to find this inner confidence in yourself, um, to be able to really just express yourself and express your culture how you see fit. And then now all of a sudden somebody else comes along and is like widely embraced with open arms. It, it's kind of like you ever uh, have somebody come to you for advice and like you give them this great advice and then they don't really like take it. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, your other friend, Cindy, gives the same exact advice. And all of a sudden, like Cindy's a fucking hero. You know what I mean? Like, like, wow, Cindy, thank you so much. That was life changing. And then you're sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me? I just had you on my couch crying for the last hour and I gave you the same fucking advice and you didn't even bat an eye about it. But Cindy says it and now it was like the second coming of Jesus giving you the greatest advice of your life. And it's the same kind of feeling. I feel like when we start seeing these different things, it's kind of like, why was it not okay when I was doing it? But now when this fucking person does it, it's somehow like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. It just doesn't add up. And then obviously brings up those old feelings and and rightfully so of 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 racism you know what i mean of somebody being prejudiced against our culture and almost like proving a point that it it's actually entirely us that they don't like and find unable to celebrate because they actually do like the things that we create and the traditions that we have they just don't like them when we're the ones doing them which is the ultimate fucking slap in the face and it's funny because as i'm like talking about this like like i said I've never been overly woke. I like to consider myself somebody pretty moderate. I like to be a bit more logical. I don't like to run off of emotion when I, I kind of tackle these kinds of topics, especially because they are so sensitive and you want to be able to process them with a clear head and know if you're kind of just going off of pure emotion and, and going off of kind of like the hype of what people are telling you, 
or if you genuinely believe that there is an issue. And uh, and I say that because as I'm like kind of speaking my way through this whole thing, I'm definitely like understanding it probably in more of a in more of a way than I ever have before. Understanding some of the anger that comes from from people in our culture when they see certain things happening, because you know at the end of the day, it's hurtful. It's it's hurtful to think that people have such a negative connotation about you that they can't even be honest about things that they actually like that you're doing just because they refuse to give up this negative connotation about you as a person, but not even just you as like an individual, but the culture that you were born into. Like their hatred runs so deep for your culture that they'd rather tear you down than admit you might actually have a good contribution. Because once again, when it's somebody with blonde hair and blue eyes, making the same sort of statement, be it fashion music, it's celebrated. So it is like this just ingrained disdain that is had for our culture in this country. I mean, listen, I refuse to be somebody who walks around bitter and and angry all the time about these things. But shit, I get why so many of us in our culture and people of color in general have the, the sort of very strong feelings they have towards white people. Because when you really break it down and you really think about the hate that is behind so much of of just what we experience on an everyday basis and and obviously historically, it's hard not to allow that to kind of stir up and and fester inside of you. But I don't want to kind of dwell on that too much here. I want to keep it moving. I want to, uh, to, you know, keep my peace intact. And I do want to get into one of the other uh, pieces to like the inspiration for me tackling this episode today. Uh, and that was, I, I don't know if it's an Instagram post or a tweet. I saw it on Instagram, but um, somebody made a really interesting Instagram post. I had reposted a couple of days ago, kind of talking about this. And I wanted to speak on it uh, uh, in the Mijente segment of the show. Uh, before that, though, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. All right, so this was was going viral all over the place. I, I picked it up from um, at Fierce by Me Too, and it was, I believe, a tweet from uh, Thani Lopez at Thani X Lopez underscore, and she said, uh, "Support the people as much as you love the culture." Hashtag Hispanic Heritage Month. And I saw this going crazy, and and I, I I reposted it myself. And obviously, this is an age old thing, you know. And I um I have an episode coming out. I think we'll we'll do it on Thursday. An interview that I did with a really incredible author, where we kind of touch on the fact that our history has been been buried. But that's why people are so adamant about like support the people because. And they love to erase the fact that we are the creators behind so many different things. I mean, shit, even last week I was talking about how, you know, we, our people are responsible for rodeos and even the names of of specific states and barbecues and all these other different things that we're never given credit for. I mean, I understand why, why people are angry. Shit, I mean, I'm angry when I think about those things. Like, why haven't I been taught the contributions that my people have made? And by the way, this isn't to say that people can't be inspired by, by different cultures and kind of, um, you know, decide that they they they're so inspired they want to kind of create their own version. I'm not saying that that that's not okay. There, I'm just saying there has to be a respectful way to go about it. I mean, listen, I I brought up music before because obviously, um, that's where my my biggest background comes from, and for me, that's the easiest way that I can kind of relate life. But I look at somebody like Diplo, right, who's a DJ producer, a white guy, uh, from Florida, but he's one of these people who has been accredited for kind of like always being on the pulse of like a lot of these different subcultures happening um not only here in the states but around the world many of those subcultures uh being operated by people of color you know from the baltimore club scene that was really prevalent obviously from the city of baltimore which um is a, a primarily black culture when it comes to that genre of music a lot of the producers and djs and originators of it uh jersey club as well um to Baile Funk out of Brazil and, and Diplo traveled to to Brazil and spent some time out there working with different producers and things like that. And Diplo to me, he gets flack from people as like this culture vulture, cultural appropriator. But I, I personally don't see it that way because in my in my mind, Diplo has always paid homage to the people that he is uh inspired by and, and borrowing from. You know, be it uh featuring them on his songs, which I know some people might be like, oh wow, he featured them on a song that he borrowed their ideas from well yeah that's one way to look at it but at the same time if you're talking about a musician who is primarily just existing locally and then you have somebody like diplo who has eyes on him all across the world that's a huge moment for that artist because listen there are a lot of people out there that would hear this cool sound and fucking completely steal it without paying homage to anybody or having any of those actual original people working on the music but Somebody like Diplo, if you look at his catalog from his solo stuff to Major Lazer, he's used a lot of these different artists that are true and local to those scenes on his tracks. I mean, even 
when you're talking about New Orleans bounce and artists like Big Frida, who, you know, were obviously big in that scene, but weren't big on a national level until he started working with them, you know, uh, by the funk, I mean, is, is having a really big moment right now. Uh, this year it continues to grow, but nobody knew what the fuck that was until Diplo was down there years ago. And I mentioned Baltimore club. I mean, he worked with some of the pioneers or some of the legends of that scene, whether it be somebody like TT, the artist, I mean, you know, the list kind of goes on. Like he, he really did ingratiate himself in those scenes. And when you hear him speak about the music, even in Jamaica, like he really gives, gives credit and, and big ups the, the people that came before him in those genres, you know, and, and calls them out by name, which again, a lot of these these subcultures, these subgenres, they exist in a vacuum. So those are huge moments for them. And to me, that's the right way to do it. I mean, listen, like we're all going to be inspired when we see something great. We hear something great. So I can't fault anybody for you know doing something like trying to make it their own, especially if you're already a creative person. Again, to me, the key is paying homage to those who came before you and giving them the respect they deserve as the creators of that. Now, on the flip side of that, to me, a, a shitty example of this, not celebrating the people that essentially created a culture, like let's look at food, for example, because this is fresh on my mind. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, a guest on uh, on Cat Lasso's uh, morning show on Spotify, The Get Up. So check me out there um, next week. But I had her here on, on my show a, a couple weeks back, if you remember. But we had like a little meeting today and she was eating uh, avocado toast. And we were joking about how now you go out in like Brooklyn and that's like 12 bucks for some avocado toast. You know what I mean? When that is something that's been like a cheap breakfast in the Latin community forever. Yet now you have these like white hipsters that have gentrified the area and now claiming avocado toast as their own and pricing out the local people of that, of that community who are the who culturally that meal comes from. And to me, that's an example of doing things the wrong way. And obviously, there's plenty of examples of it all over the place, be it in media that just goes without saying at, at this point. People constantly take, take, taking. And actually, even on a personal level, it's something I've been following when it comes to uh, what's happening in Puerto Rico and these kind of tax loopholes that they're giving to uh, the ultra-rich as like an incentive to have them move to Puerto Rico. And these people, quote-unquote, move there. They're not actually usually living there, but like they never try to ingratiate themselves in the community or do anything for the community that they're moving into. They literally move into these gated complexes and that's that. And they sort of build out like these little cities within these complexes and have no sort of coexistence with the actual people who are native to that island. It's like you're literally pricing out the people who are native to the island, but not actually offering them anything in return or providing any sort of real contribution uh, in the forms of things like jobs, which they're supposed to, but doesn't actually really happen. They're not actually really contributing anything to the people native to that island. And that actually brings me into one of the other inspirations for today's show. Um, and that was a DM I got from uh, from one of you guys. I I'll read it here uh, in our Ask a Gringo segment. Ask a Gringo. Uh, I have a question. All right. So this was one of the other inspirations for for this show. And I actually didn't even do a, a full-blown um, like, you know, question and answer kind of thing on my stories like I normally would just because it kind of felt like it'd be a very one-sided conversation. And and I wanted to dive into this one because this is kind of a different uh, angle when it comes to cultural appropriation. And it also touches on like one of my biggest sort of, I guess, cornerstones of this show in my life and, and the fact that there is no right or wrong way to be Latino. But this is actually an interesting one here. So 
at Nicolosa underscore Vega sent me a, a DM that I saw. And she said, um, you should do an episode on those that appropriate the Latin culture because it's trendy, but don't support the people or advocate for their rights. I have cousins who are white passing half white and have money and spend all their time in Baja, Mexico, fishing and boating and recently sold their home in Southern California to buy a home in Mexico. It makes me so annoyed as I have never felt they identify or claim their heritage. But then thinking about your podcast and how we can't tell people how to be Mexican and Puerto Rican. So I don't know. It seems like a thin line. I'd love to hear your perspective. I mean, that obviously we're, we're hitting on two different things. Cultural appropriation. Uh, you, you touch on that when you talk about how they don't advocate for people's rights, the, the places that they're moving to, which I agree. I, I talked about that in the last segment a little bit, talking about Puerto Rico, where you have these ultra rich people moving there and not actually doing anything for the people. And, and I don't even just mean like financially, but like also, like you said, not advocating for the people. I mean, I, a recent thing came out and it was talking about like only a thousand homes had been rebuilt in Puerto Rico uh, that were basically destroyed due to Hurricane Maria. And that's after four years of Hurricane Maria. And I can't find it on me right now, but if I'm not mistaken, it was like there was still something crazy, like 10,000 more homes that needed to be uh, fixed that they were still waiting on or some shit like that. So like, obviously, like advocating for these people who whose island you are, you know, making your home to get tax breaks, you're not actually speaking out on behalf of these people. Um, and that's part of part of what we're talking about. You're just take, take, taking and not actually giving anything. And the other part, talking about um, your your cousins and how they never feel the uh, the need to identify or claim their their heritage. I mean, listen, this is actually something I'm going to touch on in the next episode as well. But our culture has been historically groomed to celebrate a proximity to whiteness. So the more that you can embed yourself into white culture, the better off you will be. And obviously, no matter what way you slice it, even if they're half, they're still of Latin descent. And to me, when I talk about like, oh, regardless, nobody can like take your Latin card away from you, essentially. Right. I think that goes for even if you don't want to claim it, like there is no skating around the fact that you still are that. You know what I mean? Regardless if you are uh, celebrating it yourself and it's unfortunate if you're not, there's no changing that. They are of Latin descent, you know, your your cousins that we're, we're talking about. But absolutely in that circumstance, they are they are part of the problem if they're not actually trying to contribute um, anything to the actual like land that they're deciding to go because I'm assuming obviously it's a lot cheaper to buy a house in Mexico uh, than it would be in Southern California. And that's the thing. I mean, I think you, it's his, you historically have these rich people that go and buy these these you know mansions and, and homes in these these places, and they just look down upon the people that you know that they're now are, are whether they want to admit it or not are their new neighbors, and that's a part of the the big problem. Again, it's it's taking without paying tribute or homage to the culture that you are are borrowing from you know or that is graciously hosting you, and that's the egregious thing. You know, it's it's like as if if you went into like somebody else's house and you're a guest in their house. And you decide, you know what, I'm going to go and like kick my muddy shoes up on their coffee table. Uh, I'm going to, you know, put my uh, my 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 soda can on their their table without a coaster. I'm going to just treat this place as if it's not even treated like it's my own home, but actually treat it like it's lesser than my own home. And and any one of us would be like, yo, that person deserves to get fucking punched in the face. Right. And that's what we're talking about with cultural appropriation. Essentially, it's like you're going into somebody's home. And, and claiming it as your own and then 
essentially shitting on them in the process of it, like disrespecting them in the process of it. And that is where the the issue lies when it comes to all this stuff. And uh, that same article that I, I started talking about in the, the first segment, they actually have some really good tips on how to know if something is culture appropriation. I mean, some of it is more obvious than, than others, but I feel like that's a good way to kind of tie everything together. Of course, we'll do that in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. Uh, before that, though, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocócica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20enespañol.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. All right, so I want to read off this list, kind of tying everything together we've been talking about when it comes to cultural appropriation. Uh, again, this is verywellmind.com, and this is a part of the article where they say, I don't know if something is cultural appropriation. And I'm going to kind of go through a few, because I'll be honest, some of them they listed are really fucking stupid and obvious. But um, what I, I was like, I thought a great question to kind of ask yourself or what people should be asking themselves. Uh, it is, uh, are you following a trend or exploring the history of a culture? And that's a great one because you'll have people who literally have zero interest in the culture they're ripping off. They just know it might turn a quick buck for them because everybody is is talking about it. We're seeing that again so much in Latin culture. That's when it's cultural appropriation because I feel like the examples I use, like somebody like a Diplo when it came to music, like he was genuinely fascinated by those cultures and the music they were creating. You know, he took the time to like, learn about them and, and go hang out with them and see the origins of it, you know? And to me, that's when it's okay to kind of, you know, kind of create something based off of it at that point or make it your own because you're actually showing respect by going ahead and, and learning the history of it and making sure that you're educated um, on this, this thing that you're deciding to kind of try and make your own. Another one they said, uh, are you using a sacred item in a flippant or fun way? 
Example, headdress. I mean, fuck, we saw this at Coachella was like the fucking mecca of every white girl wannabe influencer on Instagram wearing a fucking headdress on their head, ignoring the fact that this is literally like a sacred item from a culture and just doing it because it was going to get them a fucking fun Coachella Instagram picture that a bunch of people are going to like. Like, come on, we have to do a lot better than that. Are you borrowing something from an ancient culture and pretending that is new? This is another one, too. Like, some people would just flat out fucking ignore the fact that this, that something came before them or inspired them, and they'll just sit there and pretend like they just fucking created this. Obviously, cultural appropriation and a disgusting and unacceptable way to carry yourself. Are you crediting the source or inspiration of what you are doing? Again, this is what I brought up when it came to Diplo. Are you paying homage to to the culture and the inspiration for what you're doing? And that that's a sign of respect, once again, show, you know, paying homage to the people that came there before you. And one of the last ones I saw that I thought was interesting, they asked, uh, are you ignoring the cultural significance of something in favor of following a trend? And that's another thing, like the headdress at Coachella is another perfect example of this. Like, it's obviously a trend for every white girl wannabe influencer on Instagram to dress up in this headdress like an asshole. And they're ignoring all of the history and the cultural significance that a headdress has for indigenous people all just to be the hundredth fucking white girl taking a picture at the at the Ferris wheel at Coachella wearing a fucking headdress. Like, like your Instagram likes are not more important than making sure you're not disrespecting someone's culture. That's the ultimate sign of privilege right there. It's like this blissful ignorance to think that you can go ahead and adapt whatever you want and and nobody should have a problem with it. And they have some stuff on here that says how to avoid cultural appropriation. I'll read a couple because, again, most are fucking stupid. But, I mean, the obvious, give credit or recognize the origin of the items that you borrow or promote from. Uh, and the other one was take the time to learn about and truly appreciate a culture before you borrow or adopt elements of that culture. Absolutely. I mean, history is empowering. And I feel like nine times out of ten, if you're able to show real genuine interest in somebody's culture, they're going to welcome you with open arms. And this one I actually like a lot where they say, um, Support small businesses run by original members of a culture rather than buying mass-produced items from big box stores that are made to represent a culture. I mean, this, to me, should be dub, but it's not. Like, if you're going to open up a fucking taco cart and it's some fusion shit that you're, you know, making, and, and hey, wait, teach his own, I, I don't have a problem exploring that. I mean, I, I enjoy food. I enjoy, like, different takes on food. But why not order some of your products your items your parts of the dishes order from like actual latin-owned family businesses you know what i mean like order the tortillas from a latin-owned family business maybe it's gonna cost you a little bit more than getting it from a, a big box store but you know what at least you are giving back to the culture that is putting money in your pocket and yeah understand it's america baby right capitalism all day every day but you have to have some sort of moral compass here, like I would hope, or unfortunately, a lot of people don't. But what people fail to realize, unfortunately, is that like, this is literally somebody's livelihood. Like to you, this is you having a creative idea to do something fun and interesting, right? But for the people whose culture that you are ripping off of or borrowing from, like this is literally passed down from generation to generation it is ingrained in the fabric of their culture of their family history and the least you could do if you are making money hand over fist selling avocado toast to hipsters for 12 dollars a pop at least give back in some way to 
to the culture that is helping you rip off other privileged white people in gentrified areas. That, that's all I'm saying. That, that's my take on this. And I feel like I've ended this podcast just a tad bit more woke than I started it. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes you got to kind of talk your way through um, your own thoughts and ideas to arrive at your opinion. And it's all about evolution at the end of the day. Now, with that said, thank y'all so much for tuning into another episode. And actually, if you made it this far in the episode, I appreciate and love you. If you could please show me some love back uh, by leaving five stars or leaving a comment uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, We do have some racist trolls uh, in the comment section of the podcast reviews, so it would be nice to kind of offset that with people who actually fucking get it and are open-minded and understand that uh, it's not racist to speak to your culture, especially one that has had a... uh, a muzzle on it, not by choice, uh, for a very long time. So if y'all could do that for me, I would genuinely appreciate it. All that stuff helps me out. And with that said, uh, I'll be back on Thursday with another episode. Of course, we are sticking with the Latinx Heritage Month theme. Um, so I have a really dope interview uh, coming up on Thursday. I'll, uh, I'll leave you in suspense until then, though. But I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one in full. But I'll talk to y'all then. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica, la cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.